All right, I, like you, get up early in the morning. The first thing I do is I fire up the computer and I start to read my papers, my virtual online papers, and get set to talk about some of the bigger stories of the day. Got the uh, 640 Toronto on in the background, listening to the newscast to make sure I'm up to date. And one thing um, that I noticed today in the Star is most people, they say, are noticing changes in their children's behavior during the pandemic. This is according to a new Ipsos uh, survey, finds that nearly 60% of Ontario parents have seen changes in their children's behavior since the start of the pandemic. This includes outbursts, extreme irritability, drastic mood changes, difficulty sleeping, and persistent sadness. Now, I don't know about you, but I, at different times, have been experiencing all of those changes in behavior as well. And I think people have been. We vacillate between moods. We are having problems sleeping. We are experiencing a sort of malaise. So it's not just um, in particularly isolated, in particular isolated to our, our children, these feelings, but we're feeling them as well. This uh, poll was commissioned by the Children's Mental Health of Ontario and also Addictions and Mental Health Ontario. Kim Moran joins us. She's CEO of Children's Mental Health Ontario. Kim, I just mentioned, you know, you read the list of what uh, kind of changes in child's in our child's behavior we're noticing over the pandemic. And you realize, wait a minute, I can tick off many of those boxes as well. Um, so give us an idea of how problematic this could be for kids, though. Yeah, you know, I think that those are, you're you're making some really important points. We're all feeling that way. We all have different changes. But I think what this survey was really about is where are they really drastic changes? You know, all of us have um, small changes and we have have, um, some things that we're worried and noticing uh, as we go through this pandemic. But what this survey was really getting at with those kids that we really have to worry about. And when you look at the data, uh, you see that going into this, children were already having a hard time with their mental health uh, issues. We know that depression and anxiety amongst kids 12 to 18 has doubled in the last 20 years. Um, And now the stress of the pandemic is just exacerbating things even more. Um, 34% of parents said their children were stressed to the point of not coping last year and 24% that it said that their children are feeling this way more often since the start of the coronavirus outbreak. That's really concerning. The stat that really threw me was that it said that one quarter of parents, so 25%, said their child felt sad or hopeless for a few weeks or more last year, and that this is happening more frequently since the outbreak. Now, sad or hopeless, we all have felt that. You know, we wake up and we feel that that's normal. But a few weeks or more, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That is far too much for a child. And, you know, I had a child at 11 who became depressed. Um, and so I understand when this can become a real serious issue. And so these, these stats should say to us, we've got a real problem happening here. Kim, I want to ask you a question. I'm sure it's it's you might find it because you're you specialize in ch- child's uh, mental health, but you might find this as a as sort of an ignorant question to ask. But I I can't be the only one thinking it. You know, uh, you know, angst is a is something that many people remember feeling when they were teenagers or uh, kids, and for various reasons. And then something would happen where you'd kind of snap out of it. So it wasn't weeks on on end. But can you snap your kid? 
out of those feelings by, you know, providing them with, you know, a, a distraction that might change their mood? Or is that a too simplistic way to look at this? Well, no, I mean, I think that there's multiple levels of this. I mean, I think parents have control over some of the things that are going to help. And, and, and you're quite right. I mean, there's things that we can change in our environment uh, that are going to help kids. But there's going to be some kids, you know, and we know from the literature that 12% of kids will have a serious mental health issue. Those are the kids we need to get help, external help to, from a mental health expert. Um, and I will say that many parents would think that um, that that might not be their kid. But, you know, right. really 12% is pretty high and it happens to, you know, regular families across the province, including ours. Um, and, I, and I will say, though, that it is, um, you know, many parents will say, you know, I know where to get help. And they probably don't <laughs> um, until they really get into that situation. I will say we've made it easy. So on our site, cmho.org, you can access a list of publicly funded, so free services for kids without referral necessary with mental health experts who understand children and youth. And you can get almost immediate access to those kinds of services right now that are virtual and telephone. Um, and, and that's where parents need to go. And you know what? As a parent, you can phone there and get help from an expert without even being sure that this is a big deal or not a big okay. deal. I mean, sorry. Which, which, there are people listening to you right now that are thinking, okay, wait a minute, like, that can't be my kid. What are you looking for? What are the signs to look for as far as changes in your kid's behavior that might be problematic? Well, I think it's drastic changes, right? It's drastic changes. So it would be ranging from, you know, outbursts and extreme irritability to real sadness um, and real, you know, uh, in their room too much and really very lonely. I know that when my daughter became depressed, she actually didn't have enough attention to even watch TV. And then for an 11-year-old, that's real. You knew there was a problem, okay? She isolated herself from her friends. She really had really decreased her, like even talking, you know, an 11-year-old talks all the time. They They don't. So it's really about drastic changes. So if you see drastic changes, um, that's when you have to act. Um, which kids are most at risk? So, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, every kid is most at risk. I mean, one in five kids will have a mental health issue. It really doesn't discriminate uh, amongst any type of uh, population. I will say, if you yourself as a parent have struggled with mental health issues, your child may have more um uh, vulnerability that way. Um, and, and so we know uh, that those uh, parents really need to seek help when they see uh, their child struggling. But generally, it can happen to anybody. Um, and we know that now with families under considerable strain economically, and also, of course, all being in our homes, that, you know, we see the stats saying that families are also showing a big increase in tension. And when family tension increases, kids are really sensitive to that. And I'm sure you've all seen that in your household. Um, so, so I think that people and parents have to be quite vigilant and, and um, watch their kids if they think there's a big problem please reach out for help. I know the peer group is an essential part of development. And, uh, you know, really focusing on the peer group as being uh, paramount importance in their lives. That's normal. So how problematic is this isolation? And is it leading to problems that maybe heighten anxiety that would not have been there for some kids? 
Absolutely. I mean, I think that we all know that online uh, can be problematic for kids. Um, it is a way they connect. And certainly, you know, my teenager connects all the time. Um, but it also can be problematic because the, the, the texting and messaging doesn't have the same cues that other, uh, you know, face-to-face interactions can have. And so absolutely, we can see an increase. It's a little early for some of that data to show. um, And we'll expect to be, we'll be measuring this over the course of the next uh, couple of months to see the impact on kids. But I think that absolutely, we are concerned about that. You, you, social media in some ways is is problematic because our kids are socializing on, uh, you know, social media with their friends more and more. I'm finding that, you know, you talk about social cues that they are not um, sharing while they're in isolation. I'm finding that more and more teenagers that I come in contact with, I can't read their social cues at all. So, oh, no. It, yeah. I understand what you're saying. I mean, when parents are looking at their kid thinking, are you depressed? Is it possible to get it wrong because we're just not reading the social cues that they are so incredibly subtly giving out? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think parents, uh, you know, will beat themselves up a lot. I mean, certainly my daughter was experiencing really significant anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder for a year uh, and and had no idea about it. And, um, you know, that sounds... Uh, you know, it, that sounds terrible when I say it out loud, but the reality is it was happening in her head and it really didn't really show until things were quite severely far along with a mental illness. So, so I think that parents can do the best they can do, right? Be there for your kids, watch carefully for drastic changes, but you, you know, you can't always catch everything. You're saying that you think that more funding is needed to be directed to services such as long-term therapy and counseling after we get out of COVID. Can you expand a little bit on that? Absolutely. So we've been raising the alarm on this issue. So child and youth mental health services that are publicly funded have really been starved for funds for a long time. And what's happened is it's resulted in about 28,000 kids in Ontario who sometimes wait up to two and a half years for treatment. Can you imagine if you have a child as sick as mine was and you would wait that long for treatment? Um, you know, my, my child, in order to access treatment, became suicidal. Uh, you don't want to have to wait till that happens. No parent wants to wait till that happens to get uh, access to services. And so what we want the government to do is act now. Act now, get these services in place. So as we come out of the pandemic, kids who need help can get help just as soon as they need it. That's not two and a half years. That's immediately. I want to thank you for your time today. It's been uh, hopefully very helpful to members of our audience who are listening and have their kids at home and may have noticed some extreme changes in their behavior, but thought, ah, it's nothing. I'm experiencing some um, behavioral changes. Now they'll maybe focus on on their kids a little bit more intensely as as we continue on with this pandemic. And the website, once again, Kim, is chmo. It's actually C-M-H-O, org. Perfect. Okay, I think my dyslexia might be showing up. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate your time today. I want to open up the phone lines here and see if uh, you have noticed any changes in your kids' behavior through the pandemic, any drastic mood changes, any difficulty sleeping, and how you've decided you're going to deal with this during the pandemic. Is there something you did to kind of, as I say, and this is not meant to be uh, flip, to snap them out of it? 
What are you doing to keep your family, your whole family sane during this pandemic? 416-870-6400. Is it a family bike ride? What is it? Because clearly we know that exercise helps with mental health issues and all of us need to get outside and experience some fresh air. What have you decided to do with your kids? 416-870-6400. Talk to you on the other side of this break. 640 Toronto Chopper Traffic. Here's Richard Martin. Well, Kelly, overall, the major routes are still in pretty good shape. We've got one issue on the go, the 401 Westbound Express at Renforth, a stalled vehicle. It's affecting two right lanes. Again, volume is not too busy. A little slowdown around those problems, but that's really it. We do have ongoing maintenance for the 427, the Southbound Express ramp. Going to the Westbound QEW, maintenance crews are working in the right lane. And on the Westbound QEW, past Winston Churchill, maintenance in the left lane. To help you stay safe and at home, Rona's offering free parcel shipping and curbside pickup with online purchases at rona.ca. I'm Richard Martin with Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, Chopper Traffic.